Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to Believe in Chargers with Lorenzo Neal. Matt Money-Smith here coming off uh, arguably the most disappointing loss of the season. We had kind of laid it out low uh, about what this team needed to do to punch their ticket into the playoffs. Every week was a season, was the season, and they came up woefully short. And there are so many things to, to dig into, but... Obviously, you start with Justin Herbert, someone who has fought through so many different injuries to stay on the field. Last year, rib cartilage, a shoulder issue. This season, had that left middle finger you know, taped up pretty much since week two. And now, essentially, at the time that we're recording, this sounds like not going to be able to get out there uh, with this one. And, and you know, I'll lean on you, Lorenzo. You're someone that, that fought to be on the field every single snap. I would assume the Chargers are going to probably do everything to convince him he shouldn't be on the field the remainder of the season. Uh, 1,000% money. You hit the nail right on the head. You look at this guy, what he is, what he means to this franchise moving forward, and he is the future. And they say when you find a good quarterback, now you can build around your quarterback. By putting him out there in harm's way with the inconsistency on offensive line, the inconsistency just with this team, your playoff hopes are pretty much slim to none, and none's pretty much left the building. For what? For who? You know, I let the guy, if he wants to practice, okay, go through and just stay sharp and those things. But why? See what you have. Start getting the other guys ready. Turn the page. Find out what you're going to do as a, as a coaching staff. Who's going to stay? Who's not? Find out who's going to compete. Certain guys on this team, you know, you know, Cleo Max, you know, fighting for defensive player of the year. I understand that. You know, after that's gone, then, you know, with guys, certain guys, I do play my young guys, man. I think this is an opportune time now to start seeing what you actually drafted. You know, get the young receiver and make him the focal point. To go out here and hurt guys and or, you know, go out and play these games. I know guys are getting paid. They still have a job to do. You don't quit. I get that. But I think right now as a Chargers organization, and I don't know if I'm AG, if I'm the Spanos family, I want to see the talent. I want to see what's in my cupboards and what's in my cabinets because – I want to push these guys and see who's empty and who's full because you get to see that right now. Yeah, I think uh, it's a great it's a great point, uh, Lo, and I think that's how I would present it to Justin Herbert: is look at the reality of the situation. We appreciate you, you know, every everyone in this this organization, from the players in the locker room to the you know to the owner, Dean Spanos, respects the heck out of you. But let's frame it this way. This is an opportunity for for one of the best guys you'll ever be around to to maybe make a career in Easton Stick. We all believe in him. The guy won four championships at, at Nodak State for the Bison. He's an incredible athlete, a dual threat quarterback. Kellen Moore has an opportunity to reshape this offense to to feature Easton to his to his strengths, and I think you'll see a lot of RPO, a lot of quarterback designed runs, and let's see if we can make this guy some money. Let, let's see if these four games, knowing the dearth of quarterbacks in this league, if we can get Easton a showcase and an opportunity, you know, that, that he's been waiting for for four plus years as just the best guy, man. I mean, he is totally content to do everything he could to support Justin Herbert and be an extra set of eyes. No question, Matt. And with that, I'm, I'm going to digress for a second. Why don't you just kind of Give me your thought process on this. You saw a team last night, a team that I high on in Green Bay. But you saw what 
the Giants were able to do with a quarterback that's still living at home with his parents, yeah. with his brother, and come in and look at look at this. Does this change? You know, you always hear guys say you can get a running back and plug and play, get a receiver. Certain players in this league, you can just get them with the athletic ability. You just it's a senseless, brainless. You don't have to be you know to play certain positions. Are we starting to see this thing when you talk about quarterbacks now? When you look at some of the guys that are yeah. making a name for themselves as a quarterback, that's not necessarily a first round. That's not maybe necessarily a second, but a free agent or just guys that come in. You look at Brock Purdy, probably should be MVP of the year, the MVP of the league this year. Is going to make a you know can make a case that he is. I don't know if he'll get it, but when you think about a guy like Simmons Sticks, whether is he a guy that you say, wow, here's a guy that can come in and play at this type of level that you can say, man, this guy is possibly a starter in this league as well? Well, I think I think there's two things there, right, that you, you bring up, Lowe, is, is there's two paths for Stick to take presented with this opportunity. One is to be a much higher paid backup for the Chargers. Instead of essentially a veteran minimum deal, he's now earned himself a couple extra million bucks a year if for some reason Herbert's got to miss a quarter or, you know, God forbid, a game. Now, that is not likely. He and, he and Phillip Rivers are wired that, that same way, where they are going to be on the field regardless. You know, Phillip is going to play in an AFC championship game with a torn ACL because that's yeah. Phillip Rivers. <laughs> and, and Herbert right. is going to play the very next week against Jacksonville with torn rib cartilage. And even though they're getting absolutely blown off the field, he's going to take every single snap down three touchdowns. They're both wired the same way. So, I think there's that interesting calculus for the front office. Do we want to invest, knowing how precious dollars are with a hard salary cap, how much do we want to invest in a backup quarterback? How important is that? And I think it's reflective of what your goals are and what your expectations are. If you think you have a roster to win a Super Bowl, then yeah, you got to pay your backup quarterback just in case, just in case you know, something comes up in case, you know, in case of emergency, break glass. You got to break that glass. Now you're, now you're confident in stick. Okay, he's worth a couple million more. I know for a fact that Shane Steichen wanted him in Indy. And, that, you know, because Shane loves him. I would talk to Shane all the time about him when they first drafted him and how bright he was and what a great athlete he was and how he could be this Taysom Hill-like quarterback with his strength wow. and his athleticism, that kind of – you know, he's not wow. as big as Taysom, but he sure. has – he's a guy that just... rushed for 4,000 yards and 41 touchdowns, you know, and threw for another 10,081 touchdowns at Nodak State. So he's – He's a player. I, I don't want to spend too much time on, on Easton, but I think that's where it all <laughs> – I think it sets the tone of what you were saying, Low. is, you know, let's – okay, so let's shift let's shift here to the to the game, to, to how disappointing – it, like I said, it's the most disappointing game I've seen in a long time, and I think this is going to end up being the most disappointing season since, you know, I started with the team in 2017 because of how high the expectations are, the belief in this roster, Justin Herbert, you know, the, the weapons that you had and, and where you're going to end up. I think this is where you start to do exactly what you said. Let's get Deion Henley out there. You know, let's let's play with the offensive line. This offensive line failed. Save Rashawn Slater. This offensive line failed to identify Miserable. every single blitz that was thrown at him. And that's why Justin Herbert's having surgery today, the day we're recording this podcast. So let's get Jordan McFadden out there. Let's kick Jamari Sawyer out to right tackle. He played left tackle ex at an excellent level last year. Trey Pipkins has not been good this year. So give Jamari the chance, you know, kick him from guard back to tackle, throw McFadden in at guard, or Zion Zion has really struggled as of late. You know, let's get McFadden in there. Let's get Dayon out there, a little bit more athleticism and youth at linebacker, and let's start checking out these young guys to see what they can do. 
no question. <clears throat> when you talk about this team and oh, we got still some weeks to continue to you know digress and get into the you know the thick of things. What what has been the biggest cause when you think about offensively? You know, when you have the, the Herbert that you're talking about, a guy who's top five quarterbacks in this league, I believe. But the inconsistency of being able to score week in week. Do you do you do you look at Kellen Moore, what he's done in Dallas, how he, what kind of offensive coordinator he's been. How much do you, how do you pass this blame and how do you sift through this, Matt, being so close to the scene? How do you sift through it? Because I know as a fan and as a guy that's in close to the game, you know, I think the fans want to know how do you move around and equally or disperse the blame or not the blame or injuries, whatever you may, on just the offense. Let's just start on the offense side sure. of the ball. Well, I think there's, you know, I, I think when you look at what where the letdown was, it's it's in a lot of different places, right? I, I do think clearly not being able to to get a run game going is where it starts. So the, the run game has been non-existent since week one against Miami. I thought they ran the ball pretty darn well at the start of that game against the Broncos. You know, that first play of the game, Eckler rips off one for eight yards. Uh, they got it. They've got, you know, Nick Vanette's back out there. Steven Anderson was active at tight end. We talked about the tight end blocking and, and what a disappointment that has been for the majority of the season. I think the offensive line bears uh, a lot of that responsibility. Now, a big part of that is, you know, the the center, the straw that stirs the drink. You know, it's five fingers on a glove. You hear that all the time. Most important, if you want to talk about us, you know, and opposable thumbs and what separates us from the rest of, you know, the beasts that walk this this big blue marble, you know, the opposable thumb is Corey Lindsley. And, and you know, he would take all that all that off of Herbert because he would call out protections. And, and that was something that he's the best at in the league. So that was missing, you know, for the majority of the season. I think that caused a big issue and there was a ripple effect there. But um, as far as Kellen goes, so, so offensive line, I think is a big part, the, the inability to run offensive line issues, they fight, but, but I do think there's, there's, there's drops, you know, how much different is that game on Sunday against the Broncos? If, and if, if Keenan catches that pass on the first drive at the 30 yard line of Denver, you know, on your first drive, you're now guaranteed at least three points. Instead, that's the first drop of the game and you're punting after five plays instead of at least kicking a field goal, maybe scoring a touchdown. Then Mikey Davis gets a huge interception, a great play by right. him. And I, you know, I, I personally would have kicked the field goal knowing that this is a team that just shut out the Patriots that had just held the, the, the Ravens to, to nine points below their average. And really seven of those even came on a defense selling out to try right. to stop and get the ball back, and that's what led to that 20 points and that final touchdown. So really, you held them to 13 points. So let's let's kind of remind ourselves of that and just kick the field goal. But I'd have been proven wrong because Gerald Everett's got to catch that pass. The pass gets right. him in the hands, hands. and he's yes. got to survive the ground on that, and now you're up 7-0. Instead, you, you, you know, you, you kind of – you don't do anything with an opportunity inside the 13 yard line with a you know on the turnover. So I think that play, you know, I think decision making drops have been a huge issue. Um, the inability to have a run game, tight end blocking, offensive. I mean, man, it was it was really frustrating against the Broncos watching every blitz not get picked up, you know, or at least not recognizing it. Right. 
And, and you saw that in a game that you talked about earlier, the first game in Miami. In, in the end of the game, right. the inability to protect Herbert because guys don't have the protection, not sliding the right way, bringing an extra guy they can't block, just the communication. So we've seen this story over and over again. And we've seen this offense continue to struggle. Show, you know, put up 30, put up 25, put up eight. And then all of a sudden you put up six, you put up 20, you know, 17. So the inconsistency. And, and right. Matt, with that, how much do you look at Eckler? Do you think the contract is Do you think any of these things have any bear outside bearing on what we actually got to see? Well, I thought we saw from look. I I can't speak specifically to to Eckler, you know, in terms of what what he has left in that body of his. But I think just historically speaking, we know what it looks like at that position, right? When it when it comes to a head, it comes in a hurry. It doesn't gradually tail off. It's just like, wow, that that went quick. And so I think you probably got to ask yourself if that's what's happened this year. But then I watched the game on Sunday, and he's running with explosiveness. He's got a couple great passes that he caught out of the backfield in the flat. He's making guys miss. He's trucking other dudes. So I don't know. Like I don't know what the answer to, to that is specifically from him and his ability. I do think based on how things went this past offseason – I'd be very surprised to see him back with this team next year. I, I think that's probably a position where they're going to want a complete reset. Um, and that's why I think moving forward, these last four games, realizing that it's going to be very hard for Eckler to realize those incentives. I always want guys to get paid for playing this game as violent it is as it is and, and the punishment that your body takes. If Eckler has an opportunity to get those incentives, I'd like to see him in there and I'd like to see him earn those. I think he's he's done so much for this team that that he ought to be given that opportunity. I just don't know if that's reality. Um, and that's why I would just play the heck out of Isaiah Spiller. Let's figure this out because I thought he ran well. I know the numbers. You can't look at the box. Or I'm just saying just watch the way he looked when he ran to the people listening. He looked good. He looked big. He looked strong. He was dragging defenders right. with him. And he did. He did. So, I, yeah, I think that's one of those players that you really want to see out there these final four games. Um, yeah. I do too. I do too. And with that being said, Matt, you're looking at this team and you and I saw this game close and you saw how Denver took advantage of certain opportunities. Players, we saw on the other hand, Russell Wilson, receivers making one hand catches. Yeah. You saw with those guys bailing out and making making plays that the Chargers didn't make. And you have to realize some of Denver's catches was probably more difficult than the Chargers routine catch. Yeah. So when you're looking at that, are you saying – What's the difference mentally then? Does is that come into effect? And what have you seen? You know what I'm saying? Because if these, these I little can't things figure it that out, I, I, you know, that's what I've got. I can't. I can't either. And that's what's yeah. tough for me, bro, to be able to look. And I'm like, man, look at Denver, a team that everyone thought was done and all the things that yeah, were going on. You're five. saying, hey, this is a, one in five. We said, okay, this is a game to get back because what, how Sean Payton handled it. And now, can we say this, Matt? Is it safe to say that? Denver may win the AFC West. They got a shot. They certainly have a shot. We know it's good defense. And look, I think what what hurt in that game that, that's painful to watch when you watch it back is just, again, these are just blitzes. They're nickel blitzes, linebacker blitzes, corner blitzes, delayed blitzes. They didn't pick one of them up. Like, you got Trey Pipkins double teaming with Jamari Sawyer on an interior lineman and not even taking a peek 
to recognize that singles coming off the edge. And now you've got two for one and a free rusher. And same thing. You got an interior lineman turning out to double with Trey uh, in Jamari and coming right up the gut is Baron Browning. It's just the failure to identify was incredible in that game. When you ask like, what, what do you make of the drops? And I don't know. I mean, Keenan Allen's hands are some of the best in the league and, and he's had a real issue these last four weeks. And I don't know why, um, the interesting one, and, and man, it, it was so, it was so sorely needed. And I can only hope that these two guys can build on it, these final four games, but man, what a beautiful back-to-back set of catches from Quentin Johnston, you know, just a glorious deep ball for to put it in perspective, Johnston's most productive game came the week before against new England. He had five catches for 52 yards. Those were tied for the most receptions he had in a game, and it was the most yards that he had had in any game this year. He had more than that on that one catch from Easton Stick. 57 yards right in the in his breadbasket, secured it, and the very next play, that's the best catch he's made all season. He finally got you know, made the triangle, got his hands out in front of him, snatched it in stride. He didn't gather, and, and it was just he beat – and, man, he busted his guy up too. He broke him down on that in-cut – left his dude in the dust, snatched it, and ended up going for 22 or 27 yards. And and then, unfortunately, it would have been nice if Easton would have uh, would have seen him. He <laughs> ended up doing it again. He broke his guy off on an outcut in the end zone. He was wide open in the, in, the, yeah. in the back corner. It would have been nice if he would have been able to, you know, make the three of four plays on that offensive drive to, to end up scoring a touchdown. Eckler would end up getting the touchdown um, instead. But I'm hoping that that's, you know, man, you want to talk about a win if as disappointing as his season's been, if a sign to come, you hope that's exactly a sign if Quentin right. can actually leave this rookie season with a positive feeling instead of the graphic that CBS was showing of how disappointing his numbers are compared to the rest of the receivers drafted, like he can get out of here with a hundred yard game or maybe a two touchdown game in these final four, man, that would be, that would be really, I think important for this team moving forward. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that you got to showcase him. I think right now in these next four weeks, because you want him to come yeah. back and go into the offseason saying, I got to come back better. I got to come back knowing that they're going to depend on me even more because, you know, Keenan, he's still great, but he's getting older. Hey, you don't know what's going to happen. So I look at this as now, like you're saying, showcase, you know, end on a high note. Understand that you're the feature guy. So now in the offseason, you're getting bigger, you're getting stronger, you're getting faster. You're working on the jug machine. You're doing the things that's going to take to catapult you into that next season that when you come to camp, you're a man. You come to camp, you're no longer a rookie. You come to camp, you're seeing, hey, look, they've got two guys out there. It's nickel personnel, and I know that that's the nickel Sam, so I know he's not a hot read, but they got to bring the safety down. No, I know the safety is actually the hot. So now you go out there and you're looking inside, understanding, dictate by alignment and assignment. Now you're starting to be able to go ahead and dictate what's going to happen on those plays. That's the kind of growth. That's the kind of development that you need from a young superstar receiver that you drafted and put high stock in that you need to show up on the forefront. So I think that they should throw even more at him for the last four yeah. weeks to make sure this guy's ready leading in the offseason that he has that hunger to get better. Yeah, you know, it's and it's something you can speak to, Lo, that that obviously none of us can because we don't know, you know, what it feels like. I can just tell you what it looks like on the plane home, and it looks like we got – you know, 40 guys that just got into a car crash and they're trying to nurse their bodies back to health after sure. every single game. That's what this is. So 
I do think there's that delicate balance, you know, recognizing what you're asking these veterans to do. And while also trying to get a look at some players that maybe haven't necessarily earned their way onto the field yet, but because of the current situation, and it's not like you can put a, a, a team full of young guys out there. You still <laughs> right. have to add, you can't, you have to put an yeah. offensive line out there. You still have to ask Rashawn Slater, who's fought through injury all year to play left tackle, you know, to, to ask Trey Pipkins to play right tackle, or maybe not like I, that that's the one I think if you were to ask me, what, what do I, what, there's, there's three positions, I think, that you really have to look at. And, want, and they are offensive line, because I think Trey has been a little bit disappointing this year. So I think it's important to kick, I would kick Jamari out there back to tackle and insert McFadden into that guard spot and see if, if that works. I, I would figure that out, because I think that's a place where you've got to be right going into next year. So that's number one. Number two, we already talked about it, Isaiah Spiller. I think you've got to start giving him a ton of carries to figure out going in to, to next season, whether or not he's going to be on this roster or, or not. And then, you know, I, I said three, let's go four. You know, they didn't pick up Kenneth Murray's fifth-year option. So I don't know how you're going to navigate that in the offseason. He's the team's leading tackler. I thought he took a bit of a jump this year, but Let's get Dayon Henley in there. Let, let's see if that's where you're saving money instead of a veteran contract. Now you're on a rookie contract. So whether it's Kendricks or or Murray, I think that that you got to get Dayon in there for one of those spots. And then he's been out now for the majority of the season. But, you know, JT Woods led the NCAA in interceptions at that free safety right. position. I think you've got to get him out there, you know, instead of, you know, it's not instead of Aloe, but if it's instead of, it's instead of Hawkins, it's instead of um, Dean Marlowe, like JT's got to get those snaps to figure out whether or not he's a part of this roster moving forward. Those are the ones that I would look at. Oh, no question. You know, it's interesting. When you think about baseball, you know, Matt, you would appreciate this. How do you build? You build inside out, catcher, pitcher, center field. Think right. about when you're talking about football. You want a good center. You want the center. You want your quarterback. You're going to make sure that you have a good Mike linebacker that's going to make sure that every house people line up. You want to have safety. And you know what? You want to have these tackles. So when you think about sports, it's always usually inside out because that's where those guys have to make a lot of decisions, understanding what's going on, pitcher and catcher, being on the same page. Quarterback center has to be on the same page. Yeah. You always want a pretty good Mike linebacker. Think about the safety. Think about the Dawkins. Think about great safeties, great teams. Ronnie Lott. All these guys have a pretty good safety to make sure they're going to be able to check, get guys lined up the right way. So you built inside out on pretty much all teams. Back in the day, NBA, it was you go to get. You get a great big center. Right. You want to build inside. So it's still sports and fundamentals sometimes hasn't changed. So, you know, making that, you know, making those adjustments and seeing if this team can build the right way and continue to build. But there's some pieces, man. We got to talk to, man. I know we run it pushing against time, but I got to yeah. ask you the 800 pound gorillas in the room. What are you going to do with Bosa? How are you going to do it? When you're talking about caps, Fair. you look at Bosa, you look at, you know, Cleo Mack. I, I'm putting you, asking you to put on your GM hat. How do you handle this situation? I think it's look, I, I don't think there's any question if there's a way to bring Khalil back, you got to. He's so important. He's been so important to Thule's development. And you you know, I think he said it all after the game. And there's some young guys, and he used some colorful language that I'll avoid here, but he said there's some young guys that don't know how this works, that don't know what it takes to to go from the practice field to the game and to know to know what you need to bring onto the field to win a football game. And I think that's been so important to set a tone because they don't, you know, Derwin is an incredible leader and, and people will follow him. But I do think this team is a little bit short on, 
on, I, I'm trying to think of what the quote was from Rex Ryan, but you know, somebody asked him about a little bit of the character issues with some of the guys on the defensive line. I said, Hey man, every team needs some salt. Got to have a little bit of salt out there. And I think this sure. team needs some salt. And I think that's what Khalil is. So if there is a way to bring him back, you know, I think the emergence of Thule is going, is what you're speaking to is they got a dude. Thule's a dude. And when you have that, you can then save some money and find that third pass rusher behind Thule and behind either Bosa or Khalil. And I think that's the decision that Ed McGuire is going to have to make. And and John and, and Dean and, and Tom and, and JoJo and that whole group is going to have to figure out how do we do this? Joey's incredible when he's on the field. He's one of the best players in the NFL. But there's been a when he's on the field conversation now for about four years in a row. And and I think that's kind of what you've got to figure out. So, so are, with that being said, do you think, can, is this team, does the head coach, does he need Khalil Mack's leadership? Does he need, do, in order for him to survive, do, is that a guy that you say, is that head coach, do you believe that he's on a pounding chair? It's like, I got to have this. Is, right. You know what I mean? Because some guys yeah. need, certain, some coaches need that guy that's we going had- to help his job. We had Rod Woodson with us in the booth for the Ravens game, and and I thought he made a great point. And he said, so many people want to blame the head coach for these things. He said, every and and you know, and you and you can speak to this as well, though. He said, every great team I was ever on, man, there were players. It wasn't a coach. He goes, I don't give a you know, if a coach comes in my chest and is like, hey, we got to do something, I'm rolling my eyes. He's like, but if another player is coming, if I'm going into somebody's chest, I can see in their eyes, they know what I'm bringing. And I could see in Ray Lewis's eyes that I knew what he was bringing. You need the players to set that tone. That's Agreed. what it's a team, you know, hungry and ready to execute. Coach can only, coach is putting in the plan. Coach is making sure the right players are out there. The coach is doing their work leading up to the game. Once that ball is in the air, it's up to the players to lead and to decide how this game is going to turn out. And I think that's to your point, Lo, about how important Khalil Mack may be for this team moving forward. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's very important. I think that you, his leadership and what he brings is, is uncanny. So yeah. it's just going to be interesting, Matt, just to see what this team does in the direction in which they go for these next four weeks. How committed are they to everyone? How committed are they to the process of growing this team by getting in the younger guys, letting them see what they have and understanding, hey, look, look at where we're at. Look at how we, we underachieve, but what is going to be the plan moving forward for success? And I hope this organization, because I love this organization, love the guys who are in, yeah. in front office, can they get these young guys in the rest of the season? How do you salvage it? It's not about wins and losses anymore to me, Matt. It's about seeing a group, coaches, players, administration, move forward. It's about how do we play collectively. If you lose, I want to see guys in the right position. If you lose, don't lose by not being in the right position. If you lose, make it you got you got your butt kicked physically. Don't lose any more technique. Don't lose the leverage. Don't be out there, you know, letting guys have free runs at the quarterback. Don't be out there missing guys, letting guys run free through zones. Don't be out there saying, oh, I thought it was this and that. That's what I want to see. I want to see a team collectively play more football, collective football. Yeah, I'll finish with this, Lo. So many fans get enamored with possibility and with potential. And they're now talking about, well, if you, you lose the rest of your games, you could end up with a top five pick. And no, winners win, losers lose. This team knew how to lose this year. They figured out how to lose in a whole bunch of different ways. 
it, it is I, I'll take the the I'll I'll take nine wins and the seventeenth pick over five wins and the fifth pick at this point any day if we can find a group of men who can win who know how to win who want to win who show this team needs they need young players who who display that who in the critical moments come up big with big plays. I'd rather see a Quentin Johnston touchdown grab with 20 seconds left to get the sixth win. I'd rather see a Thule strip sack or a Dayon Henley forced fumble, you know, on a team that's trying, on a Broncos team on New Year's Eve that's trying to drive to win a game to stay alive for the playoffs. That's going to be so much more valuable than picking fifth. Look, Puka Nakua was picked in the fifth round. You know, Tuli Tui Pelotu was the seventh pass rusher drafted. Like, it does – you can get players, you know. Agreed. Do I want Brock Bowers on this team? Yes, it'd be great to have Brock Bowers catching passes from Justin Herbert. No doubt about it. But I don't think it's worth the expense of putting young guys out there to lose, to get their heads kicked in. I, I just – that's what I want to see. I'd like to see more wins, and I'd like to see wins from Isaiah Spiller. I want to see a 100-yard game from Isaiah Spiller. You know, a 140-yard, two-touchdown game from Quentin Johnson. That's that's what I'd like to see the remainder of this season instead of a 5-12 and 12 year and a top-five pick. Well, I'm in the same church, same pew, Matt, and, and that's hopefully it's going to happen. The guys in this organization realize that, and the coaching staff realize that, and they play to win, not for picks. And they play to say, let's get better. Let's how do we how do we make sure that we end on a positive note? And that's what you want. When your season is over, it's about growth. It's about maturity. It's about young guys putting them in a position to be successful. It's not putting them in to play 40, 50 plays, man. That's not what I'm saying. Right. It's putting those guys in there 10, 15 plays. Put them in there to spot play. You know, let a guy go in there. Hey, I got this play for you. You're blitzing off the corner, a young corner. Okay, bam, set it up where you're going to, hey, we've got three down linemen. The guy's going to be able to tackle. You're going to get that one-on-one block. Set guys up to have them in a position to make success. Are you okay? It's a route. All right, I'm going to make this route. We're running a deep over and a comeback. So now you're going to be doing the drag. You should come open. That's what this team, I want to see those guys, those guys out there that's going to help make plays that for the betterment of this team in the future. And and again, just to, to, to wrap it here, you can still make the playoffs and you can still ruin everybody's season. You can sweep the Raiders. Yes. Play stick forward. it to them, followed by... Knocking the Bronx, knocking the Bills out of the playoffs by beating them on Saturday, and then you have a tiebreaker with them, and then you can knock the Broncos out of the playoffs, and then you can knock the Chiefs out of the first out of first place or into third place or fourth place, whatever you can do. You can do a lot of damage while also still giving yourself a chance at nine and eight with a bunch of tiebreakers in your favor. Uh, you got three division games. Go win them all, and and if it's yeah. if it's Schadenfreude and it's just ruining their season, so be it. Go out and do it. Win these last four. That's it. You saw. I agree. With you. you saw what the Giants did last night. Prime example, Matt. Yeah. You know, here's a, here's a team. You know, Green Bay team that's streaking, Green playing Bay great season. ball. <laughs> and look what happens. They ruined it. So you got to have men that want to do that. And that's the thing. You look at a Giants team, and that's the game. I'm. I'm. If I'm coach, I'm like, look. Look at this team. Look at this team keep fighting. Green Bay is one of the hottest teams in the NFC. Look what they were able to do they, because guys believed and they bought in. Even when they, you know, Saquon fumbles the ball, going in, drive down. Green Bay drives down the score. But look at the team and the resilience. That's what you want to see this team come back and do. So I'm looking forward to seeing the kind of men and the kind of character this Charger team really have moving forward. 
All right, early one this week. We'll be back regularly scheduled time next week. Uh, Thursday Night Football against the Raiders. Let's go get the sweep. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.